Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm talking with my friend Aaron. Aaron and I are colleagues, and we've had a lot of really good conversations about what it's like to find new relationships in a new town and, and really find your own community. We also talk about how this coronavirus situation can help us all find a new perspective on things, making sure our priorities are in order, and really just being able to focus a lot more without all the distractions going on. We also talk about how it's important to become more aware of how other people think. This isn't just something that's important in your personal life, but something that you can carry over into your professional life as well when you're working with others. Knowing where their priorities are will will help you understand how to communicate with them and and get more work done, essentially. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Aaron. Hope you enjoy. It is is nice to see another human being that's... uh, not in a mask that's not in a fellow car driving by our house and waving to friends who live down the street from us that we're <laughs> we're banned from seeing and it's uh it's nice so it's and and beer is good and uh we have some of that here with us as well so that's take some of the uh i don't even know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect the beer's working already <clears throat> Well, Aaron, the reason why I wanted to, to have you on today is we, we've had a lot of really good conversations offline about <clears throat> what it's like living in a smaller town, um, you know, being able to make friends, finding, finding your own community in, in those small towns and in the areas that you're at. Um, you, came, you came here from, from a larger town in Florida, um, came, came to middle of middle of America in in Nebraska. And, um, we live in a smaller town, about 8,000 people. And it's, it's hard to find other people who, um, if you're an outsider coming in, you know, it's hard to, to make those friends. It's hard to build those relationships quickly. Um, how are you able to, you and your wife, both once you, once you moved here, how are you guys able to kind of find that human connection in town and, and really build, build those relationships. <laughs> uh, you're assuming I have relationships now. So fair. <laughs> it is fair. a work in progress. Let me tell you, uh, I think you brought up so many, so many great uh, things that we could touch on, right? Like the idea of uh, making relationships in a smaller community versus a larger community. Do you have an advantage either way? Cause a lot of people look at, a town like Seward, I don't know if you are telling people where sure. you live, a town like Seward, and uh, they think of it as an advantage to make friends because it's a close-knit community. And I th- I do think it's a close-knit community, and um, people tend to get along really well in Seward uh, versus a city where you do have access and you're surrounded by maybe more uh, uh, a greater diversity of people or even like-minded people that you can connect with. There's a greater chance because having, you know, I grew up in small town, Nebraska and Western Nebraska. I've lived in, uh, I wouldn't say major cities, but larger cities. 
where I do, I'm surrounded by uh, people who are interested in the arts, people who are interested in the things that I, I like and that I am passionate about. And that's, that's awesome. Um, that's, that's a really cool feeling. And here in Seward, you know, moving to a small town, I knew what it was like. My wife had never lived in a town smaller than 200,000 people. And if we, if Seward had been any further away from Lincoln, we would not have moved here. Right. Like that's just a fact. And it may sound ignorant of, of us because, uh, especially now we've been here almost eight years and, uh, we, 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 we like Seward. I, we, uh, there, you know, there's certain things about, there's quirks about any towns that you don't really like. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to dog on Seward for, for anything, but there's, uh, we've, we've learned to love it. We've learned to make it our home. Uh, when we first came here, boy, oh boy, um, we didn't know anybody here, of course. And I was surrounded by the people I worked with mm-hmm. Yep. and, um, <clears throat> trying to make connections there. Just hoping the not necessarily, I, I don't have expectations that I'm going to make my best friends at my workplace. And that didn't happen, you know, for, for a long time. I, I got along and we, with my colleagues and, and had some good connections, but especially when I'm working in one office in an institution that has offices scattered across a campus, I only have a small amount of contact with these people. And it's usually in a professional setting, right? Um, so not a whole lot of people get to know me as a new person and I don't have enough time to really connect with them and almost eager over eager to like try to make a connection. And, uh, Emily was not, uh, uh, she works remotely, so she works out of the home. So her, uh, trying to prioritize making friends and it's down like sword is really tough. Yeah. Super tough. And she's actually been more successful at it than I have been. I, I, in my opinion, because she has kind of, um, she's taken the leap of faith to do activities like mops and connect with other mothers and uh, different activities, whether it's with the schools or the schools that our boys go to or uh, our church environments. And I mean, we could talk about just finding like a church or any sort of religious institution um, can be so, so daunting. Yeah. And it took us probably five years at least until we found the, the church that's, two blocks from our house <laughs> and thought of that as a home, but it's so weird. Like it's right down the street. Right. It's affiliated with the institution I work at. And we just, we never thought about it. I mean, we, we visited and we went there, but we just never saw it as a home. And it took that long for us to see it as a home. Did it, did it take that long because you were checking out other churches at the time or was it just kind of a, Hey, let's, let's just give this a shot and see what happens. I mean, I would assume that the people at that church are going to be, I mean, people at all churches are welcoming to outsiders, but I'm sure there's a spectrum there. Well, (laughs) maybe, okay. If I'm wrong on that, let me know. But I I think it's ideally. Yes. Ideally. Yeah. Most churches are, if they're walking the the Christian walk, then they should be welcoming the outsiders. They should be. Yeah. But if people don't know who you are. You just 
these two I mean, people you, coming you in. Can, you can float on in and not talk to a person. Not, not I'm not saying this is my experience at right. the congregation we're members of at all. I'm not saying that. But we, I mean, Emily and I would visit several churches. And, um, you know, when we lived in Florida, we lived there for three years. Uh, I, I don't think we ever really found a church home. But that's because I was on set in grad school for 16 hours a day minimum on, you know, Sunday through Saturday. And, um, I know that's maybe not the best excuse, but we just, we knew we were only going to be there for a few years. We just never found a home. Right. And we had our firstborn son there or young parents and all these other things. And we moved here and, um, life changes. Like, I've matured in a very uh, well. I, I've matured. I'm still. I'm still very immature. <laughs> you are maturing. I'm maturing in a in a way that's uh, different than maybe the traditional sense. Like I'm, I'm changing. I guess is a is a better way to think of it. Where when we first moved here in 2012, I was uh, my ideal church looks very different than what my ideal church looks like today. That makes sense. You know, I've I've grown as a father, I've grown as a as a husband, and what I value in that specific setting, and that uh, when I when I moved here in 2012, um, I I I can't say any church in Seward was necessarily uh, this is very uh, what what's the word I'm thinking of uh, this is very selfish, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't giving me what I needed right. Yeah, and yeah. I've since looked at church and the idea of, of that in a very different light. Where uh, there's no church that's going to give you everything you needed. Absolutely, need, right? absolutely. And you can go one time and not talk to anybody. But that um, kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? <laughs> if you're if you're going to church, I mean, a lot of a lot of the, you know, a lot of the attractive features of a church is getting into a new community and and making those relationships. Right. I mean that, I mean, right. Church, um, church is more than a building. It's more than the school or, uh, the pastors or anything like that. It's, it's really that community in that sense. And that's what I really wanted. Um, and that's what Emily really wanted. We really wanted for our boys to grow up because we, we both had that growing up in our lives mm-hmm. and we, I feel like um, the baby boomer generation has a, had a very different outlook about church and community church and being loyal to that community. Very, just very different than our generation where we can kind of like shop around Yeah, yeah. and we're very uh, consumer <laughs> uh, based right mm-hmm. versus uh adding adding to a community or what can i bring to us if, uh, if something doesn't really match up and you know things haven't been perfect and, and it, like i said it took us several several years to sort of figure out what we can do and in, in seward and we looked at churches in lincoln that are great and we really enjoyed but both of us felt like for it to be worth our time Driving it, you know, 25 minutes, 30 minutes into in the Lincoln, um, you know, 
am I really going to be able to connect to somebody if I need to stop by on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday night, yeah. a Sunday That's morning? A good point. Yeah. If I want to, if I want to, if I make friends and like hang out, I'm like, I'm, are we realistically, realistically going to be able to do anything about that? And uh, starting locally is it's hard to do, especially in a small town uh, when there's not every option and every amenity available. But it's uh, it's worth it's been worth in the long run because I feel a greater sense of like, even though, um, you know, I'm not the most popular guy, <laughs> the most sociable guy what? ever. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, being feeling like I'm part of our community. Uh, is uh, is priceless in a lot of ways. Yeah, it makes me feel like you're part of the like you're part yeah. of the whole. Yeah, and that's that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's a nice feeling, and it's something that um, you know I don't want to dominate this talk about church, but it's it's for a large percentage of America that's kind of still a, a common ground that people meet. Yeah, and talk absolutely right? and. Not that it's the only one, uh, but we could, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an important one for <laughs> our society. Right. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I found, too. Um, when I moved down here from Alaska in 2012, too. Um, what? You know? I Yeah, we were here at the same time. We didn't even know. Gosh, dang. There um, needs to be like a, hey, we just moved the Seward like, Facebook group. there probably is i know they have the they have the welcome committee that will bring you like the bag oh i got uh, that the bag of goodies great got a free hat what you got a hat got a hat from the what was it one of the lumber stores oh (laughs) man i just got a bunch of coupons that i never used (laughs) so you're saying the bag was totally worth it yeah probably and then, well, I got one, and then when Sarah moved here, she got one too. So we got oh, double nice. coupons that just—I don't know if we actually use them or not. But um, it was tough. Support though. support local yes businesses. Go buy some gift cards right now. <laughs> what was hard for me was that I didn't really know anybody in Seward except for the people. Same thing, people who I worked with at the newspaper. So it was hard to find those relationships outside of the office. But I was, I was really grateful that uh, one of my, one of my good friends worked at the newspaper and we got along really well. We both like to drink beer. We both like to watch sports. I mean, those are two things that guys can bond over instantly. Right. um, Which is, which is cool. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And so we were able to to do that quite a bit. Um, Guys are weird. Guys, yeah. I mean, guys are weird. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but my perception is that we have such a harder time connecting with other guys than uh, women do. And I, you know, maybe if maybe if we had, if this was the domesticated lady podcast, <laughs> we could ask some ladies. Uh, but the the idea that like we're just not inherently like outgoing and like i don't want to text my bffs all the time right or call you up to see how you're doing emotionally right so like when i meet somebody and it's like yeah we get along but beyond that that social (laughs) gathering like nothing will happen yeah if i'm not forced to see you several times in whatever a year then nothing will happen unless you make that concerted effort to like go above and beyond and yeah. that's like, 
as like as a dude like do i feel comfortable like it's it's so uncomfortable for me to like text somebody out of the blue hey do you want to meet up and do something like like scares me to death (laughs) it's so weird really because well uh are you familiar with like the enneagram numbers yeah Yeah. okay Mm -hmm. and i don't I'm not going to nerd out on you. My wife, Emily, has converted me into an Enneagram believer (laughs) where like uh, I'm a type five. Okay. And I, so I'm very much like very uh, introverted and uh, I I like to uh, study and know what I'm getting into before I get into something Mm -hmm. like sort of unprecedented. It's hard for me to get out of my mental internal shell uh and uh <laughs> it's it's just funny because she has me we, we listen to the podcast and, and we, we read books about this and i'm like yeah i'm a five and all my family members like unprompted are like yeah aaron's a five I'm like oh <laughs> okay it was like nobody no i don't know anybody else is like as firmly like their number as i feel like as a five but like that is just a it's tough because I don't want I don't want to come across it's not it's it's not uh instinctual for me to like come across as uh somebody who's like planning and reaching out to somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because the times I have uh have it's fine. It's great. It, but it like to do it again and again or somebody like new um and not have it like I think about it too much. Where it thinks about it like, oh, you're just making this too big of a deal. And I know I'm making it too big of a deal. So I ended up not like connecting with somebody, right? Or I'd rather like stay at home and read a book or play with my boys. Right. Because that's an easy out. Because, uh, and, you know, I have that, you know, that takes priority, of course, over anything in my life. It's my family and my wife, my friendship, relationship with my wife. That's hers, my confidant, but having other people uh, like you and other people around me is like, um, it's really valuable, but um, I feel like it's a rarity for people our age. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's hard. Well, also it's hard. I have a hard time because I'm one of, out of a lot of our friends in town and out of town, we are one of the very few couples who do not have kids. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's tough for me to, you know, if I invite you to come over and do something or go right. out and go, you know, have some beers or whatever, I know that you are making that sacrifice instead of spending time with your wife and your kids, you're coming to spend time and and bullshit with me. Like that's a that's a big responsibility. So I, I need to make sure that right. I have the beer stocked. I need to make sure that the conversation is good. Because right. I, you know, I, I do see the, the give and take there. And right. I, you know, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard. It's hard because whether it's somebody like you, you, you don't necessarily have, I mean, you have family responsibilities. You don't necessarily have your child responsibilities right now. And, you know, there's a side of me that like, yeah, I want to go hang out with Logan and let's go down to the brewery and have a beer and and watch a sports game or something like that. But I know by doing that on a regular basis, I would be sacrificing that, 
that time with my boys, time with my wife, that is, um, that's critical to any sort of home environment. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially guys of our generation, I feel like there's a, there's a greater tendency to, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to say this in a negative way. Um, there's, I find that the fathers of my age that are my peers and my friends tend to have a greater focus on family time versus uh, previous generations that may be okay going out every night right? or going for several hours every single day or every, all the weekend that's separate from the wife or the maternal family duties, mm -hmm. right? Yep. I, as the father figure, I don't fall into, I don't feel like I fit the stereotype of like, well, Emily's going to take care of everything. Emily's going to cook dinner <laughs> right. and clean the house and take care of the boys. And I just have to be the breadwinner. Like right. that's, that's, that's a bygone era that doesn't happen anymore. So I'm very much a part of my family. And I, I, I want my boys to see that, that I can, I contribute to our house and the, um, take care of them and everything like that. But also by doing that, that greater focus, I don't have as many contacts Mm -hmm. outside of that little bubble right right and it's hard because you know even like emily and i wanting to go on a date it's tough because we uh we don't have grandparents that are nearby you know yeah. we, we have friends that they have they have grandparents that live either in seward or, or near seward and um it's a it's an amazing blessing to have and they can watch the kids or help out or um, whatever they need and we have grandparents that my parents live uh, like four hours away, and that's amazing uh, to have them that close in our lives because they used to be 24 hours away from us, right? But um, still, we have to find babysitters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in a small town steward, uh, when we're, especially like, you know, during the summer, there's no college kids around. Right. Guess what? Finding babysitters tough. Finding babysitters expensive. Yeah. Right? If yeah. you, that uh, $50 movie date turn into a hundred dollar movie date right? yeah. it, it doubles everything yep. and uh that's why like times i do have with friends is um is such a blessing and such a rare uh i don't want to say rare but it's uh i value it even more now than i did when i was young mm -hmm. <clears throat> yep they mean it seems like it means more you know it means more to um, be able to hang out with your friends and, and do stuff. And, you know, like you said, those, those days are gone where you get off work and you're at the bar for two to three hours after your shift is up. Oh, that can we bring those days back? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we did bring those days back, you and I would be spending right. a lot of time together uh, because our wives would be pissed at us. Yes. Well, hearing you describe it makes it sound really, really good. So you're telling me we get done with work and we go to the bar for a couple hours every night, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then when you get home, the dinner's dinner's oh, ready wonderful. for you. The kids have finished their I homework. I would have such a deep-seated guilt, <laughs> right? I wouldn't even need somebody to say anything to me. I feel so bad because like spending time with my boys is like the greatest like that's the greatest uh thing that I have in my life, right? Like I, I will never get these days back when they're, when they're little. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's hard because, uh, when we're young, um, I mean, you, you tell me if, if you had a different experience, like in, in high school, I had like my core group of friends 
And again, like I'm a type five. So like type fives typically only have like a few select friends. I'm not somebody who's going to have like 30 acquaintances. I have like few select friends that are close friends. And by and large, those friends are still my close friends today from high school and from college. Same deal. I didn't have a ton of friends, but the ones I were friends with, was friends with, uh, are still pretty close to me. Um, but that's, that's when I'm in an environment where like I'm forced to interact with other people. I'm forced to do projects with, I'm forced to live in a dorm with. And in grad school, when I was down in Florida, I had a collection of 30 people that I'm working with 16 hours a day. Like it forced me to like make friendships. And some of those are friendships I still have today. That's awesome. But after that, right, I get in the workforce. Yeah. And all those people that I was friends with, not not everybody, but everybody um, I connected with in, in various interests that I have, you know. Uh, so my background is in, in filmmaking and in, in, in the arts, and I could connect with people from all different places and backgrounds and stuff, and it's, it's fantastic. And I come and uh, move to Seward, Nebraska, and I'm an art professor in Seward, Nebraska, and, and I think there's a good art community, but... Uh, I don't know if you've been to Seward, Nebraska or seen to Seward, Nebraska. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, there's beautiful people here. Wonderful people here. I say beautiful, but I sound like Donald Trump right now. There's beautiful people, wonderful people. Uh, that was not my intention. The very best, the very best people live here. <laughs> Only the best. Yeah. Um, uh, but not necessarily everybody's like in the same creative mindset that I am. Right. And, right. Right. And it's, that's why in our office, I feel like I at least have that connection with people that everybody's like creating and trying to uh, uh, be creative or work in an environment that's conducive to creativity. And that's why the people I've connected with the most and sort of come out of our office <laughs> or other places on at Concordia that also also do that and that's been fantastic beyond that though it's um i know there's amazing people here but there's not a whole lot of opportunities to really connect right right and um i i'm not trying to do like a pity party like woe is me type situation because i i don't i don't feel that way at all uh but in and i'm just saying compared to like my previous uh, either college environments or work environments, it's it's just vastly different. And when you lose that, it forces me. I've, I found like I have, a, I have to get out of my comfort zone to find people I may not have like anything in common with, right? But I'm like, I'm naturally interested in personalities and like their stories. Mm-hmm. And that too. But to like get to that point where like it's at a deeper level is hard. Like what environment am I in where I get to talk with John the farmer who like I, I deeply admire and uh, the idea of, uh, of farming and, and farmers and being an agricultural centric environment. And I love that. Uh, but to like the day, the day to day topics and conversation, I'm not in tune with that. Right. I can talk at a high level about things and they can talk at a high level, but will do we necessarily meet at the same plane at the same time? Like right. when our path, when our paths cross, it's tough. It's really tough. It's, it's probably tough because mm-hmm. you're probably at a social event mm-hmm. or <clears throat> some sort of 
gathering where it's either really loud or <laughs> there's a bunch of other stuff going on at the same time. So you really or our kids are around. Or your kids are around. You're right. So you don't have that time to just sit there and just go deep on things. It takes probably right. what, six, seven times, maybe if you're lucky to get to that point. And like surface level conversations drive me crazy. Small talk is not my forte. Like It's just like <laughs> somebody, I'm terrible at it. Like we get to have a five minute conversation and I'll laugh and, and, and joke around with you, but I can't like, I, I immediately like want to know more about what what's going on and sometimes that is a little it comes off as abrasive or aloof to people where um you know it's like oh aaron doesn't want to talk to me like no i just don't want to talk about that right yeah like we can talk about sports all day but even as sports obsessed as i can be sometimes like it can only hold my attention for so long right like i i you know, I like football. I like watching football. We can talk about football. What are some, uh, what are some other things going on in your life? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And right exactly. now we have no sports. I know. I was <laughs> just going to ask you about that. It's, it's crazy to me. I, I was talking on the last episode with Kurt about how now that we don't have sports and all these distractions, what's, I'm, oh my gosh. I'm kind of, ex- <laughs> this, this sounds terrible, but I'm excited about what sort of creativity and resourcefulness is coming out of all of this. Right. Because people aren't spending all their time watching sports. Right. Now they have to find something to do or spend time with their wives, spend time <laughs> with their family. Like that, that's now what they have to do. I keep reading. I can't, count how many tweets i've seen about from like sports writers and i know they were just being funny right but they say hey just looked over on the couch and turns out that i i'm married to a very beautiful wife and blah blah (laughs) blah and it's it's like yeah come on man like right you shouldn't need this situation to be teaching you those things but i mean if there's a little bit to be learned there I, i think that's okay i mean this really breaks us down to our essentials right and it really, as much as I love sports and I think it's important for so many different things, all the intangibles, leadership, uh, working together, teamwork, all, all these different things, um, is it necessary in our culture to survive? Like, is it, is, it a, is it a priority? And I mean, you can make a strong argument that it's not. I mean, you take it away. What are we left with? We're left with each other. Yeah. And we're... Right now, we're reduced, or a lot of people around the country or in the world are re- reduced to our essentials. Finding food, finding money to pay for that food, yep. and connecting with our loved ones, right? And that kind of takes us back that uh, this culture that we live in right now, this American dream, it's like it can be taken away in a second. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're we're lucky to live in a... In a, in a in a country like in, in America in a, or society like America, where we, you know, we're, we're spoiled <laughs> rotten. Yeah. We're spoiled rotten. Yeah. And, and I think sports is a, is a key indicator to show how spoiled we are because of how it is just blown up like crazy. Even the past 10 years about like, uh, how, how social media has come to play with that, all the different sports channels, how many, how much access we have to sports all the time. 
where is it a very leisure, like uh, consumer activity, right? Yeah. And I love watching sports live and, mm-hmm. and doing that. Even watching them live has turned into a more consumer centric sport and it's kills me yeah yeah there's an ad every two minutes yeah even when you're in a stadium it 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 takes it takes me completely out of it yeah everywhere you look there's an ad every single break in the game there's an announcer selling you something else rather than just like everybody like being there together Mm -hmm. and like that's what's so cool like they're missing the whole point they're like people are so concerned about making this feel like a home environment. Movie theaters are the same way. We're going to give you recliner seats, right? <laughs> and jack up the price. Jack up the price. <laughs> We're going to give you recliner seats where you don't have to be next to somebody. You don't even have to mm-hmm. see another head in the theater. Um, but they're taking because we want to. We want this to feel like home. But they're missing the whole point. Is that I don't come to the theater to make it feel like home. Right. I come to the theater because I want that communal experience. Where I hear other people laugh, I hear other people have even even a silent reaction to a moment, right? Mm-hmm. And like sporting events, like seeing it live, that is what, like it, that's why I, I talk with Emily at a at a Husker game because we we go to a few Husker games a year. If they just had a game where they had a blackout game, turn off all the screens, turn off the music, the sound, mm-hmm. and just what can the audience as a collective unit bring to that environment and that would be an amazing experience that they're just just completely we're so we're so distracted yeah right and like social media that's why like i have friends that are like lifelong friends i can i can pick up my phone and text them but like i have a friend that lives like two hours away from me he's like one of my best friends i see him maybe once every two years like, is there really an excuse that like I don't only see him like once every every so often? Like, it's stupid. Yeah. But when you when you guys do get together though, is it? Oh, you, it, pick, we, up, you pick up where you we, left we, off. We pick up. There's there's no change. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what's it's and it makes me like miss it even more, right? Like, cause I you know I have friends that that live you know even friends that live far away, and we all have friends that live far away. Uh, the, the times I do get to text or call or make it a priority to, to talk with them. Um, I don't regret it ever. Yep. Like it's an amazing, I, I, this past weekend I had, um, one of my closest friends that I made in, in Florida. We talked on the phone. We, we hadn't talked for over a year at least, but we scheduled it. Like, you know, you know, we just, we just, let's talk. We didn't have a plan or a time or anything. We talked for like two and a half hours and we got the phone at like 1 1 a.m central time he was in the eastern time zone and we just naturally just talked that's awesome and like like why what why does it take us so much to uh communicate that way and it's easy to it's easy to just say you know i don't have time for this person that's across the country right now it's easy for me to just put them on the back burner Right, because I have yeah. other priorities. I have my I have my boys. I have school. I have work. I have other stresses. Stresses. I have to try to work out. I have to get beer with Logan. I have to do <laughs> all these different things. Um, but like, yeah, this coronavirus is like making me think. Like, guess what? Like, we're it's awesome. We live in a time where we do have internet access. Yeah, that's why like Zoom calls are like going out through the roof, and. Um, all these different ways to connect. It's um, you talked about creativity, right? Yeah. 
as somebody like I'm teaching students, college age students right now in classes right now to be creative given their circumstances. And I'm like, look around you. What is, what is, what is around you right now that is most important in your life? Mm-hmm. And focus on that because it may not be there tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And friends, friends are a big part of that. And, um, when you get in your thirties, it's, it's tough because we're just, we live in a distraction focused world and it's, um, Anyway, you got you got to sometimes turn the phone off. Phone off, right? And do you do at, that? Are you able to do? You, do you just turn the phone off. You know, sometimes? I I wish I say I did. I wish I could say I did. Yeah. I think in my mind, I try not to. Like I I used to look at my phone every every time I went to bed, every time I woke up, first thing. I don't do that anymore. Hmm. Um, I try to have it. Uh, I've I've altered my my habits. And my wife can attest to this, that in the past like three or four years, I've made reading a big, bigger part of my life where like I'll read 60 books a year or something like that, where it's like, I'm doing a focus, like mentally, this is healthier for me than like looking at my phone and being distracted. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's helping me sleep. Right. Yeah. And um, it's also helps me they like part of my reading has helped me focus on like my priorities in life. So like we, I talked about like my church environment, how that's altered since 2012. Part of that is like, I don't want to say it's just because of reading, but it's my prior, my prioritization of what I value in my life. It's not necessarily media consumption. It's thought consumption and uh, where, where, thinking about the type of thoughts and the type of focus I want for my family and for my boys to grow up in. It's not something that's necessarily saturated in in the media, which is weird for me to say because I'm I'm a video producer. (laughs) I I teach digital media like in college, uh, but I understand the, the, um, what's the, uh, the, it's, it's, it's all temporary. Like it doesn't, things that last with you, um, are are much more meaningful, and that's I don't know that's that's what my I want my boys to have I want my my friendships to revolve around, and um, that's a tough sell because a lot of people are just like they just want they don't want to put everything takes time, right? Yeah, time yeah. is the greatest currency we have. But do we give time to the things that are most important in our lives? No, we just, we just do whatever's, whatever can get us by in that moment. That's how I feel like, and I feel like that in a lot of different aspects, but having this situation upon us, like Sarah and I are coworkers now, we work work in the same office, we work in the same house (laughs) and it's how do we, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, when we're done working we are focused on each other. Granted, a lot of times that'll be watching a TV show, right? Or right. You know, playing playing a card game, or you know something like that. But at least we're spending that time together, and so that's you know going back to the whole balance thing. You know, yeah. being able to find time to still have beers with friends and have these good conversations, but then also know, hey, my wife needs me now, so I'm you know. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm not doing this every night. This is, a, <laughs> you know, a couple times a week. What? Maybe if I'm lucky, 
but it's, that's just the thing. Like it, yeah. that means that going back to your point about that meaning more, be, having these opportunities mean more. And so we, we put more into them and then we put more back into our relationships with our significant others. And it's just, it just keeps going full right. circle. And I think that's really good awareness on your part. And I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, could learn from this. I mean, just being more aware, self-aware and and tuning out some of those distractions, like all the sports stuff. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't, the professional sports didn't matter as much as we thought it did. Yeah. It's uh, you talked about you and Sarah being coworkers, you know, Emily and I are in the same boat. Yeah. She was working remotely anyway. And I'm just starting to see, I'm just starting to empathize with her with all of the struggles that she had. Oh, I really don't get my steps in <laughs> every single day. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm really tired because I don't get to move around all that much. Oh, it's stressful when the boys are around and I can't get my work done. Right. Um, it's made me sort of realize that, man, she does so much uh, in such a tough environment. But also we are, Emily and I are also teachers right now. Because the boys are doing their school remotely, yeah, and I mean they're they're at a young age where they don't have a ton of homework, but we have to take a few hours out of our day, and every day is different. We have different meetings, different class schedules, so we have to we have to somehow pull it together and be teachers for these boys, and that is a, uh, you know we we've been quarantined or isolated for just over a week with the boys, and it's um. It feels like three months. <laughs> it feels like three months. And, uh, you know, I, you talked about focusing on, on, on your spouse. If, if you, those listeners who are, who are married know that like, that's, that's an absolute must. And I've, I've gone through periods of my life where, uh, I probably wasn't giving as much attention to Emily that she needed or that deserved or our marriage deserved. Right. And, um, we're all guilty of that where like, yeah, I, I want to, I want to just go do this for a while, but then I don't necessarily think of that, but I'm, I'm really, um, the times I am doing it and I, I'm trying to do that, especially now is, is put that focus back into her and our relationship. And I, I've, I've found that the more focus I put on her, and <laughs> maybe she's just annoyed with me, but the more focus I put on her and our relationship, the more she is. Um, encouraging me to go out and hang out with friends, right? Yeah. Because she sees uh, that she can't be everything to me. Nobody can. Right. Nobody can provide everything you need in your life, um, emotionally, spiritually, what have you. And you know, she provides me for so much um, in my life, but it's not it's not the end all be all, right? Friends are a necessary part of our lives. And that is, um, it's something that's easy to forget Yeah, because I just get bogged down in the day to day business of our lives. And I play with my boys and we have fun and everything. But like, if I have like a conversation, like what, like I'm having with you, like right now, it's, um, it, I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I, I talk with Emily about friends and, 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 and friendships and, and, and struggles and, and joys and things like that. But it's not necessarily, um, like another guy in a very similar situation. Right. right. And that makes a big difference. 
And even if, even if a, a person isn't the same age group of you as you, or even the same gender or, or job or same interests, just being able to sort of uh, have this commonality of like, we're all just trying to like connect with each other. And like, those are the most enjoyable mo moments in my life. Like when it, you talked about the focus on seeing people be creative and the arts and people are like, well, you know, funding of the arts is even, it's more important now than ever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, you, you, we're all, we're all isolated right now. I think, think about what we're doing. We're watching TV. We're reading books. We're, <laughs> we're, we're looking online for different content. We're, yeah. we're finding inspiration. If you're, uh, if you can't go outdoors, you can't go in public settings. You can't go to museums. Well, I mean, I just had a trip with my art students canceled in New York city. Like what can we, what can we do to provide us these inspiration in our lives? And that comes from people that, um, that are seeing the world in very unique ways and in interesting ways. And that's what, I mean, I like to do with my own stuff. I love to see how other people see the world. And I like to talk about it too. I probably don't do it enough as, as much as I, as I could even on social media. Cause I, I'm a type five and I just, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself out there too much, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, you brought that up and it's, I think it's more important than ever right now. You, you keep talking about the Enneagram profile that you are. <clears throat> I think we need to have a whole another episode just about Enneagrams. Oh, <clears throat> for the, for those listeners who maybe aren't aware, that's, it's basically like your personality type, right? And how it meshes with your significant other's, personality right. type kind of like um if you ever heard of the um, myers-briggs myers-briggs um <clears throat> personality test that you may have to do before you take a job um, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing but within your relationships and so it's it's really interesting i think i think we, there's a lot more to that that we should go through next time yeah absolutely i mean it's uh i i i was so against personality tests and types my entire relationship with Emily, she's, she's super into it. She's, she, ever since I've known her, since we were dating, she always wanted me to fill out these personality tests and that stuff. And I always thought it was, excuse me. Uh, it, I felt I, it was always folk, trying to reduce me down to something that I, or was trying to explain me. Right. Right. And I, as a, as a conscious human being, I felt like, that was, um, it's a, it's a really ignorant and simplistic way of looking at people. Right. Mm -hmm. But when she started getting into Enneagram and I started listening more and reading more about it, I don't know, it's, it's really changed. Like I'm, I'm fully on board with, with it because it is, it's not so simple. It's very complex and people may be um, you may be across the board in so many different ways, right? You may be one personality, but when you're, uh, it's very fluid where when you're a healthy version of yourself, you may take on characteristics of these other numbers or right. an unhealthy version. You may take on other characteristics and, um, the more you understand, um, you may not identify with everything that every publication, every person says about your number, right? But uh, that's okay. Like, if anything, I feel like, like you said, the Enneagram is more about relationships. And not necessarily pigeonholing people, but maybe understanding their point of view. Yes, exactly. 
like being able to better understand, you know, if your if your wife says something, I don't want to pick on your wife, but if she says something that you don't agree with, you can go back and say, okay, well, she's saying this because she these are her core beliefs and that's right. lining up, and so that's why she's that's why this is happening. So right. then you're able to diagnose and um, adjust whatever whatever tension is happening in your right. relationship. You're able to go back to that and say, okay, this is what she needs from me right now. Right. And so it's just a, it's a tool. It's, it's made me, it's made me a, a more observant husband of her. And, and I, I believe she would say the same about me. Like she understands that as, as me as a type five, like I need alone time. I just need time to go think and just be away for a while and just kind of uh, separate. And she's, she's been awesome about giving that to me. And like understanding, like, hey, I just need to go out for a walk. Okay, great. And like, nobody needs to tag along with you. Or I go see movies by myself because I'm a cinephile and I, I'll go see a million movies anyway. But like, going to see a movie by myself is the most enjoyable thing I can do in my life. <laughs> because it's one, I love movies, but also it's by myself where like, I can just, I can sit in my thoughts for a, a while and I can journal about it. I can, I can write about it. And it's, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think that would be a worthwhile episode or episodes or a recurring topic. We could have a whole podcast on Enneagram. Right, right. <laughs> think about it. And there, I mean, there are, yeah, there right. are podcasts about Enneagram, but it's, uh, I think when we're talking about guys in our situation and relationships who may have a spouse, who may have kids, who may have full-time jobs, um, I think it's important Right. Even yeah. if it, even if it's not Enneagram, it's just like understanding more about how you work and function and that not everybody functions like you. Yep. Exactly. So, so I may have a relative that is a type eight and that is completely uh, abrasive to me or seems abrasive to me. Right. But understanding that what they're doing isn't trying to insult me. Right. That's just the way that they're wired. It's the way they're wired. It's, it's the same thing in, in a workplace environment. Right. You know, you have people who from all over the, the Briggs Stratton um, profiles. I can't remember. Strength finders. Right. You know, all of that stuff. You know, you have people who value different things in your office. So if you're able to know how this other person likes to communicate or what's important to them, now you can go to them with those things instead of projecting your own beliefs onto them. And that's where the, that's yeah. how you get all that attention. If we all thought the same way, it'd be, uh, our world would be so boring. It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. Yeah. I would, would never get, we would never get anything done. Mm -hmm. Right. And not that like everybody has to be like super workers, but like, like the both extroverts and introverts, uh, the, the book quiet by, uh, Susan, um, Oh, by golly, I forget her last name. Uh, but quiet, the the power of uh, the power of introverts completely changed my mindset because like I had felt every single sentence in that book in my life, and the and the idea that uh, being introverted is negative and looked down upon, and you're constantly taught as a teacher as a, as a kid to like uh, get out of your shell. But like the idea that like what I am adds beauty and contributes to 
our society in its own way. It's like once you like understand what you do and why it's important, it completely it's it's reinforcing of it reinforces uh, your own value, yeah. right? But yeah. it also allows others to see you to see value in others that aren't like you. And um, I don't, it's 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 awesome. And I I wish I wish I could i mean we had more conversations like that in the workplace yeah as friends um as as colleagues uh i think i think it would be beneficial and not not that we're like have to talk about it all the time but i think um just awareness of of how other people think i think um is 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 never a bad thing yeah, that was one of the things that was a big emphasis at the agency that I worked at before I came on at the university is we would always, um, before we hired anybody, we'd always have them fill out a strength finders or a Briggs Stratton just to right. see where their values lined up and how that lined up with other people on the team. Um, especially if you have like an account manager person who has to uh, be in very close communication with our creative director and art director, you know, they have to find some common ground there they have to be able to get along same thing in our office you know it's uh, i feel like we do a pretty good job of getting along with one another we kind of have an idea of what's important to each other right. but if we had that next that next level understanding of of all of that i i think we'd operate much better and um Wait, and that's a that's a hr issue too i mean yeah. right in terms of like you know you you have a business yes you're dealing with human interactions, human connections. What's a way, to, uh, a better way to understand that? And we, when we were lucky, work in an environment where we, where we have um, uh, obvious connections through chapel and, and and different ways of like, we understand that there's more to life than just our immediate jobs. Yes. Yeah. Right. But it, I mean, every institution can be guilty of like, it's not like that all the time, right? We, I, I'm doing a job, I'm having meetings, I'm talking with people, and some people may not see me or understand what I'm saying. And I may not, I may not understand how other people are functioning, that when they say they want something, they, they mean like right now, yeah. and not eight weeks from now. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. I mean, that's, that's a comment. I mean, yeah, that's... Uh, when I was talking to one of my friends about, uh, he's more of a mentor to me. When I was talking to him about taking this job, I was like, yeah, you know, at the agency, it's just kind of, you know, it's run its course and all this. And he goes, well, I hope it's not about the people that you are serving, like as in the clients that we work with. He yeah. said, because you're going to find those people everywhere. <laughs> and that's something that my dad would always tell me. Mm. He said, nothing changes, but the faces, you know, you still have those person out, those same personalities, no matter where you go coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, <clears throat> I think I was like, uh, 25, 26, when I realized that my dad wasn't completely full of crap. <laughs> like they have, your parents have wisdom that's... <laughs> yeah, like he knows what he's talking about. He's trying to tell me these things. I'm like, yeah, sure, dad, whatever. That sounds dumb. <laughs> and then you go through it and you're like... What do you know, dad? <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he knows his stuff. He's been around the block a few times. Right, my my dad was a uh, was a dentist and essentially a small business owner. 
and he would have employees. And he would talk all the time about dealing with conflict in the business office and different people's personalities. I'm like, I don't care about that. But like now I care about that so much. Like, how do you deal with a, a group of 12 people that are very different? And how do you yeah. deal with conflict resolution? And uh, how do you connect with people and, and, and wherever they're at as a, as a leader? And that's, that's tough to do. Yeah, it's fascinating. But, so, uh, go ahead. I think, you know, a few takeaways from today's conversation. Guys, if you have not heard of Enneagrams, Check it out. I think you would actually score some points with your significant other if you go to her and say, hey, listen to what I learned about today. I think we should try this out. Most definitely. I think you're going to score some points. Number two, uh, just thinking about how other people respond to things. Um, not everybody sees the world that, the way that you do. So think about that and try to, try to incorporate that into your thoughts and feelings next time you're dealing with a difficult person. And three, make sure you're able to find a balance, you know, a balance, hanging out with your friends, drinking beers, having fun, um, but also be there for your other relationships in your life, uh, your kids, your wives, your, your significant others. Um, make sure that you're making time for them too. I think that's, that's an important thing. Aaron, would you have anything to add to any of that? I mean, I think, I think you hit it on the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, I think, uh, understanding that, most guys are going through the same thing or similar things and times that you can reach out to. So if I'm, you know, whether it's in church or work or at the bar or wherever, um, in somebody's new environment, reaching out and trying to make a connection, it may seem small and simple, but man, it makes, it can, it can change somebody's life. Absolutely. Like it, it can, it can actually make you feel part of a community and start a friendship or uh, lead you into a place where you can make friendships. And that is, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's an amazing thing to feel. So I, anytime you have an experience like that or see an opportunity like that, go for it. Definitely. Definitely. And this is a reminder for me too. And for everybody else, if, if you know, you have people in your lives who you haven't talked to in a while, you haven't texted them, just, Take five minutes, man. Just text them. Say, hey, how you doing? Everything good? You know, just just reach out. Just say hi. Just let them know that you're thinking about them. I think that's going to go a long way, especially with all this stuff going on, all this crazy all this crazy stuff going on in our world. Just reach out. So Yeah. With no pressure. Yeah, like, no pressure. Even if they don't reply, that's okay. Yep. Right? Like there's people, there's more important things going on in people's lives right now. Like that's, if you text somebody... And they may take five days reply. Don't look into it. Right. Don't read into it too much. Like just you putting yourself out there for other people as a resource is enough. Yep. It should be enough. And they know, they know that you're thinking about them and you know, that's, that's the big thing. So Aaron, thanks for taking time today, man. I really yeah, appreciate man. it. This is awesome. Thanks for drinks. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, it's a good chat. Uh, Anytime you want to do it again, let me know. That's the deal. We need to dive into that Enneagram stuff. So <laughs> yeah. let's do it. Okay. All right, man. Thank you. See you.